What's up, Caps fans, and welcome to my brand new podcast. It is the Capital Building Podcast with Rob Carlin, part of an exciting new company called Blue Wire Podcast. I could not be any more proud to be a part of, and you're going to get some great content, as always, here as we follow the Washington Capitals right up until the start of next season, whenever that may be. But I do have a request for you. I need you to subscribe. I need you to leave a rating and write a review right now. Go do it while you're listening. And also subscribe to my YouTube page, which will be in conjunction with this podcast. Same name, Capital Building Podcast with Rob Corlin. Go subscribe to that as well. Today, we're going to get into sort of a state of the team as it stands right now, post-free agency and pre-whatever comes next. Because there has to be something coming next because they've got too many players and too much money, more than the salary cap will allow. So for that, we bring in Tarek Al-Bashir, my good friend from The Athletic, who's been covering this team forever at this point, and closely throughout all these moves. And let's first start, before we get to the Henrik Lundqvist news of him coming in as a goalie, there's the fact of Braden Holtby going out. And what a remarkable run, and I'm sure you listened in on his uh, introductory press conference with Vancouver, and how he spoke about his time in D.C. and what this city became for him. It became home for him. He started his family here. He grew up here. It became such an important part of the fabric of the community. And uh, the save, the cup, that, that never goes away, man. And uh, he's going to be missed. Yeah, he certainly is going to be missed. And, you know, I did listen in on that conference call, and you could kind of hear the emotion in his voice. And if you know Braden Holtby, he's not a typically emotional person when it comes to addressing the media or at least publicly. So um, to, to, to hear him kind of, you know, speak um, not only eloquently, but just, you know, really from the heart about what DC has meant to him. Uh, uh, you know, th that was something, I mean, he was, he was um, uh, a pleasure to cover. Uh, he was a stand-up guy. I mean, you know, as a, as a beat reporter, all you ever want is for guys win or lose to come out and be willing to explain what happened. Because that's my job, right, is to tell the fans what happened. You never had to go looking for Braden Holpe. Braden Holpe would often go to the PR guys and say, hey, do they need me tonight before he got dressed and headed on out of the building? And so, um, you know, it's a blow. It, it, it's a blow for, for fans. Um, I, I know he was one of the more popular players in town. But, look, the reality of trying to – together a championship team we've seen it with the penguins we've seen it with the blackhawks we've seen it with the kings you know all those teams that have had success over a number of years guys get more expensive and you have to start paying guys and guys that you like and and are, are you know a, a cornerstone in the franchise they got to move on so you can bring in younger less expensive players that's the reality of a salary cap world and you know uh, unfortunately Braden Holtby got caught up in it yeah, the difference is that those franchises you talk about won multiple Stanley Cups. Multiple Cups, cups. Right. Yes. You can sort of digest those movements a little bit more when you got more than one cup. But, you know, and, and, you know, it's interesting because he was always there. He wasn't always the easiest to deal with. He was ornery and things were going – like, even in the best of times, he wasn't easy, but he was always there. And there is a huge price tag, literally and figuratively, on – being there to answer the questions and you know on any given run of time he could have been answering some tough questions because the last couple of years his play declined there's no way around that and yet he was always there right. he never shied away and that's that's all you could ask for as a beat guy you know one thing i really liked about Braden and in our 
inter, uh, interactions, you know, as a reporter and as a player was he didn't let you off. If you asked a dumb question, he oh, kind of looked yeah. at you like, <laughs> oh yeah. So you had to, you had to come prepared yeah. and you had to kind of have an idea of what you, what, what you wanted, you know, what your, you wanted your line of questioning to, to sound like to the player. And um, if he didn't like your question, he might even ask you a question back, which is always the most maddening thing as a reporter, right? Is to have a question you know, uh, in response to your question, but it made it a challenge. It was good. It, you know, and he was thoughtful. So when you yeah. asked him a question, you, you didn't just get, the canned response, you know, we got to get the pucks in deep. We got to clear the crease. Like he actually gave you a thoughtful answer that gave you a lot of um, a lot of material for 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 your articles. It was uh, like I said, he was a pleasure to cover. It just it got to the point, um, you know, where his salary didn't quite ma- match the role the team saw for him, and so it was time for him to move on. I, I think Vancouver is a good landing spot for him. I think he's going to get an opportunity to. Um, mentor a young goaltender, play for a team that's on the rise. And, you know, if he can get himself, uh, you know, get his game back, you know, sometimes you, you need kind of a, a change of scenery, you know, to kind of rekindle that spark. You know, if he can, if he can find that in Vancouver, it's a pretty good team he's got around him. So and uh, I think, it's going to be fun to watch. And I think it was time. Like, I think it was time for him. I think it was time for the organization. Like, I think they both needed like a, a fresh start from one another, like it had just gotten to that point. And it's just funny though, man, right? I mean, timing is everything. He missed missed that window by like a year or two. Now he won a cup, but he missed that window of, I don't know, 9 million, 10 million as the undisputed number one goalie somewhere. And now he's going to mentor a young guy, which is what his role would have been with the Caps um, for not the money that he anticipated a couple of years ago. Just, that's just, it's part of the game you play, right? I mean, he just, unfortunately, he hit it at the wrong time. Who could have seen a global pandemic striking? Right. You know who did see it coming? Nicholas Backstrom. <laughs> Once again, I don't, actually, I don't know if he actually saw it coming, but he signed just in the nick of time, right? Mid-January, inks his contract. He's still under contract. You know, inks his right. extension. And, you know, the guys who waited – no, yeah, this is yeah, the, this is what they're dealing with. That's the brilliance of Nicholas Backstrom. Always sees the ice a little bit better than everyone else. <laughs> right. But Great I think the, I think right. I think that the next guy coming in is going to live up to all those expectations of being, you know, beat rider gold. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist comes in with you know the best uh, reputation as as a guy, um, and I mean, here's a guy who's literally played on the biggest stage there is in hockey. And has been when when your nickname is King, clearly he has dealt with bright lights and big moments. And now he's coming here with really like kind of no pressure on him. I mean, like he doesn't even have a guaranteed starting job. In fact, if things go the way we hope, he's absolutely not the starter on this team. But he's going to push Samsonov. He's going to make Samsonov right. better, and at the same time, want to be the guy when the lights do get brightest again. Well, let's start off by saying Braden Holtby was the best-dressed member of the Capitals, in my opinion. <laughs> Some of his outfits were a little outlandish, but it was always detailed. You could tell he put thought into it. Yeah. You know what? Henrik Lundqvist is also one of the best-dressed guys in the league. So there's going to be no drop-off. I can't tell you what's going to happen on the ice, but in terms of outfits, there's going to be no drop-off there. Did that long walk uh, down the hall? The video of the long walk down the hall. You're going to get some great looks at some Henrik Lundqvist suits. I, and, yeah, and I will, yeah. I will um, venture to say 
that uh, the price of a Henrik Lundqvist getup top to bottom is going to be more than the Braden Holby. Holby always looked good, but there was sort of like that, you know, like there was something cool and different about it, the hat. Yeah. Lundquist, yeah. I bet. There, he, he ain't spirit. A little thrift store kind of gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a little yeah, bit yeah. of that with, with Holtz. But Lundquist, man, he's having designer suits made for him. Yeah, straight Gucci. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. But you know what? I, I'll, I'll tell you, man, the, the, the million-dollar question and what we don't know the answer to, and, and we're really not going to be able to um, uh, even explore, explore it until we see Henrik on the ice. He's 38. Right. He's going to be 39 right. next season. How much tread is left on the tires? Now, everyone that I've spoken to says he takes great care of himself. He's a hard worker. He spends extra time at practice, but he takes great care of himself. Um, he hasn't had any injury problems um, as of late, nothing serious. So he should, and also he didn't play a ton last year. So maybe he should be able to come in kind of refreshed, you know, and, and ready to go. My and he feeling, won't play a ton um, next year either. He's not going to play a well, ton regardless. It, it, what, what we don't know the answer to yet, Rob, is what is next season going to look like? What form is it going to take? Is it going to be 60, 70, 80 games? Is it going to be compressed? What is Ilya Samsonov's health? Right. Um, you know, it, it, does he need a little bit more time at the start of the season to kind of, you know, ease his way into it? Remember, he was hurt um, in an ATV accident in Russia over the summer and, you know, missed the restart. Everything that I hear from the people I talk to is he looks good. But you know what? Until you get on the ice and you start facing shots, you have to make those unscheduled movements. That's when you really find out, you know, the, the health of a pro athlete. So, right. um, look, Henrik could be the backup. He could be a platoon guy with Ilya. But if he comes in and he's the better of the two goaltenders, Peter Laviolette doesn't owe anything to either one of these two dudes. He just got here and he was handed a boatload of money to win a, stand, to win a second Stanley Cup in the Alex Ovechkin era. He's going to go with the goaltender who's getting it done. And I'm not going to bet against Henrik Lundqvist, not yet. No, no, I'm with you. And the team's going to want that. I mean, this team is clear like they're – they don't feel – if if Lundqvist is playing better, this team right. deserves him to play. You know, you can't tell Ovi and Backstrom and these guys, well, I want to nurture this kid and see what he's got and give him his time. Like, we got to do this now. <laughs> you know, there ain't right. no time to spare. This window we keep talking about, you, you got to win and win now. So I, I think it's going to be – Fascinating to watch how that all plays out with Lundquist. So once upon a time during the season, we were like, man, this team has no right-handed defenseman. Like they have no right-handed defenseman. So some lefties got to play on their offhand. It's a disaster, you know, uh, as good as Orloff can be on his, on his left hand. He's a, he's a disaster on the right. You know, Dylan was pretty good with it. Now this team is like flush with right-handed defensemen. I don't know how great any of them necessarily are, but they are flush with Justin Schultz, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. The Paul Ledoux signing I, seemed excessive. I didn't really get that one, but clearly someone likes him somewhere. Um, how do you see all this shaking out? Schultz, right, you, you think pencil him in. He's your, your second power play guy. He is your you know, second pair or however you're going to mix and match those two, but he's your top four. But uh, it's just interesting, interesting what they did, I thought. I, I agree. Um, I, I thought they were going to go out and get a top-level defenseman like Justin Schultz. I was surprised by the Van Riemsdyk and Ledoux signings. 
Um, I felt like they had some depth. Obviously, they want to shake up the blue line. Let's be honest, that was this team's Achilles heel last year. So if you look at the way things are structured right now against the salary cap ceiling, which is going to be flat, as we know, it's not growing from year to year um, because of coronavirus and all the money that was lost last year, it looks like someone is going to be on the way out. That said, what we don't really know is what are the roster rules going to be? Are they going to make adjustments? for next year uh, because of COVID and because of, I mean, we, we just don't know other, other sports that returned during this pandemic did make adjustments to their, to their roster rules. Will the NHL follow suit? So, you know, I, I think if, if they don't, and it remains $81.5 million, you know, if I'm Nick Jensen, I'm kind of looking over my shoulder a little bit going, Hey, y'all just signed three right-handed D I'm, I'm a right-handed D what, what's, what's up here. Right. But we don't know what those rules are going to look like just yet. So, um, and they all also, you know, under the previous rules, you're allowed to go over by 10% during the off season. Right. And the caps have done this before. I mean, a couple of years ago, they got into training camp and let guys battle it out. And at the end they decided they were going to send some guys down and eat salaries and they got cap compliance. So I think there is another shoe to drop, but I think the capitals aren't in a huge hurry right now um, uh, to make that decision. Because like I said, there could be other things coming down, down the pipeline with regard to, you know, roster rules and, and other things. But um, suddenly, you know, right-handed D went from uh, a major deficiency to, you know, they got some depth there now. And what does that mean for Martin Favari too? I mean, how does that affect, him because I mean, again here's a kid that they don't want to put on the on his you know offhand but man he can skate he never really looked like any moment was too big for him he seemed very comfortable yeah we all anticipate they're going to sign Siegenthaler to some kind of 1.1 1.2-ish deal um so I, yes something else has to happen clearly they've got eight NHL defensemen right now so something's got to something's got to give here yeah, I mean, look, let, let's let's be lobby right now. Let, let's make our opening night lineup. I, I I'm willing to to go ahead and do that for him. Um, I don't know if he's listening or not, but I, I'd go John <laughs> Carlson first first pair right, right. Um, uh, I go Brendan Dillon uh, left side. Right. Um, other left side, I'm going Orloff. Right side, I'm going Schultz. Siegenthaler is going to be resigned at some point. That's basically what Brian McClellan told us. I put Siegenthaler on the left side of the third pair. He's simply too valuable. Um, uh, on the on the penalty kill, especially right. um, to to not have in the lineup, uh, and then on that right side, if you're if there are no exceptions, and eighty one point five million dollars is what you got, that's going to be TBR. That's going to be Van Riemsdyk. I, I think what the Capitals have decided here, and this is this is just my speculation, is being as close as they are to the salary cap ceiling, they can't pay two and a half million dollars, which is Jensen's salary for a number five or number six defenseman. And that they're going to go with TVR on that right side of that third pair. Ledoux will be the the, um, uh, the t- Tyler Lewington, uh, you know, to, for, for, for lack of a, a better comparison. He's your number seven who's going to come in. Uh, you know, he, he has not been a full-time player in the league, but obviously, like you said, someone liked him. Um, and they're going to have to make a decision with Jensen. That said, we don't know what those the way if there's going to be any adjustments to the rules. So I, I'm kind of hedging everything. I'm waiting to see what happens. Um, uh, but I think defense has gone from, and we don't know if it's going to be a whole lot better or a little bit right. better. But it's right. gone. It's 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 clearly was a priority 
for McClellan and, and his team. And um, I think Schultz is better than some people are giving him credit for. If he's healthy, um, I mean, if he's healthy and he's 2016 Justin Schultz, which isn't that long ago. It's not like I'm asking for 2012 right. Justin Schultz. If he's healthy, right. he, he's certainly an offensive player. I don't know if it makes the right. team defense better. Yeah, I mean, it, he had injury problems last year. Um, he had defensive partner problems last year. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, what, what is he going to be like playing with a with a better player in a better role? We'll see. Uh, he's right. thirty years old. I mean, you know, it's not. He's no. He's no longer a spring chicken. That said, I think it was a relatively low risk move. Even if four million dollars was a little high, I think it was a relatively uh, low risk move. Two years. Um, and you hope that he can be that, that puck transporting, you know, guy who can, you know, who can step in for John Carlson if he's injured or, or needs a breather. He can play on the power play. He's a very versatile player. Um, you know, I think Van Riemsdyk is, is a bit of a bargain there at $800,000. And I like um, him. I like Van Riemsdyk. And you know what I like most probably player. about it is – Jersey boy. Yeah, there's, yeah, he's a Jersey boy, which Heather McDonough from Channel 4 – I think she grew up that was right funny. here. That was she funny. Gave a, yeah, she gave a shout out during the press conference. Um, but um, what I like about Schultz, I mean, there's a lot to like about Schultz. I mean, he's a proven guy. But what I like about the Schultz and Van Riemsdyk signings, they're both coming from teams that have won, that have played on big stages, yeah. that have played in big moments. We saw when Nick Jensen went from big minutes to big moments, he wasn't ready for the big moments. And it, I don't know what he was like in Detroit, but clearly there's been a little bit of a head case going on with Nick Jensen since he got here. So I think that the Schultz and the Van Reems, like at least these are guys who are already accustomed to where every minute is important because every minute you're playing is building towards pushing for a Stanley cup. So in that sense, you know, and again, I like Schultz. Can't can't disagree. Right. I like TBR. And I think that maybe the most important thing is that those guys come from winning organizations and that, that's something they need here now. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I think that, you know, Schultz's two cups certainly is what, what was, was a selling point. I mean, obviously the Capitals have, have a championship. You know, a lot of guys in this room, about half of them are, are remaining from that championship team. But when you add a guy with that pedigree who knows what it takes to win at that time of year, knows what it takes to kind of, you know, pace yourself and ramp up towards the end of the year. He's been there. He's seen it. He's done it. You know, that's huge. That is, that is absolutely huge. So, um, again, we don't know if the defense is going to be better. I think on paper, it's slightly better than last year. We'll see what happens. You know, remember, I mean, in my opinion, Rob, I think the biggest offseason addition for this team was Peter Laviolette. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think that was their big signing, right? I mean, that, that was the Capitals' big signing. Now, he's also going to have to go out and get a defensive coach. Um, uh, kind of surprised Murphy, nothing's moved on that yet. I, I don't know if there's a huge rush. I, and I do check a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I check in my, uh, over it to see, you know, with, with the team to see if they've made any moves there, and they haven't, uh, or at least they're not ready to announce anything. Um, you know, Kevin McCarthy, who's kind of been – um, Laviolette's top lieutenant for a long time going back to Carolina. He's not coming with him. So we, and, and Reed Cashman has taken over the, the um, head coaching job at Dartmouth. So they got to go out and get a defensive coach. Coaching matters. Oh, it yeah. does matter. It matters a lot. And I think that, you know, getting, getting some new blood on that blue line and also bringing in a new guy who's going to run that blue line, I think that's going to matter. Um, 
We'll see. I and and it's, I hate to say we'll we'll see. I don't get paid to say we'll we'll see. You know, but uh, <laughs> at the same time, I've also been around long enough to know it, it, it's it's a we will see kind of uh, kind of situation. They didn't go out and get the best blue liner on the market. They got a guy who was good a few years ago. They got right. some other depth pieces who could be good. Right. Um, I, I said that on a, on a previous podcast when they made these signings, yeah. like the system is going to dictate that they should be better. Like that's, I think right. that's what, what you're hoping is that the Lobulette system makes them better. And look, they do have some history with dipping into the, the Pittsburgh gene pool to help them <laughs> win a Stanley Cup, you know, so there is right. some history with that. So I, again, I, I, I liked it. Right. They, they weren't going to get Petrangelo, right? They weren't going to get the biggest right. guy on the market. So they had to get a good, right. reliable second pair guy who, like you said, can move the puck, which that... That seems like, well, yeah, he moved the puck. Getting the puck out of their zone was one of their biggest issues last year. So I think just that simple moving the puck is going to be key for them. And, and yeah, you're right. I yeah. Mean, we, we saw enough of Nick Jensen looking over his shoulder on the ice. Now he's literally <laughs> and figuratively looking over his shoulder off the right. ice as well. And, and competition's good. It is. Uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be more competition on the blue line. There's going to be more competition in that. I, I, I think competition brings out the best in guys. I think Peter Laviolette's not going to allow guys to get comfortable and rest on their laurels. He's going to keep guys on their toes. Um, look, I mean, big picture, they seem, if they're going to win a second Stanley Cup during the Ovechkin era, it's going to happen next year or the year after that. It's going to be right. really, really hard for me to envision it happening three, four, five years from now. I think those are going to be some hard years for this franchise. I think they have pushed the chips to the middle of the table, and you know they're they're hoping that they've made the right moves and that they've they've extended that window and they can get it done here in the next twenty four months. Yeah, and let's be honest, the chips have been in the middle of the table for about seven years now, so like they're yeah. used to playing yeah. with those chips like oh, that. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll see the the, the big thing I, I think competition wise is there isn't much in the forwards. You got Daniel Sprong. It looks like again, barring what's next looks like he's going to probably fit in on that fourth line somehow. Like there's not right. a lot of bodies there. So that's, but again, that's. Or, that's or, a, or you can keep Ponick on that fourth line. He did well with those, you know, reduced minutes um, and, you know, getting some favorable matchups. So you put Sprong on the third, on the right side of the third. I meant that last right defense. Yeah. yeah. That last spot looks like it's Sprong's right. Wherever you I, put it in. And, and Rob, I, I, I know they're up against the cap and slightly over it right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're still kicking the tires on some guys who might, might have thought they were going to get 2 million bucks, thought they were going to get 1.8 million bucks, and, you know, the music is, is about to stop, and they're going to start looking for a chair, and they could end up with a Brett Connolly type, you know, oh, a yeah. guy who qualified or a guy who didn't get what he wanted and probably is a $2 million third line right wing, and he's willing to sign for 800 900 thousand bucks and if you're if you're brian mcclellan you're loving that you're and you're getting it and you're going to be over the cap and you figure out who's going to get who's going to get shafted i mean it's just it's just how it works right exactly all right i'm going to let you go but before i do um i'm sure you saw the doc emmerich essay that he wrote his farewell to hockey awesome i mean what's so great about doc is his simplicity I mean, like, he, he's not going to blow you away with, you know, language. He's just going to use simple yeah. words. The timing yeah. of it is perfect. And as I tweeted out and I saw the news today, the game will never sound the same without Doc. It's, it's the end of an era. 
it is the end of an era, and I I do hope I do hope that he follows through and has more a few more of these essays. I'm I mean, sure he will. I mean, I, I got I got a little choked up watching that. It was really really cool. My I, wife I got choked got up know, watching it. Yeah, I I didn't get to know Doc great. But he did know that I was the reporter from DC. And so when we bumped into, into each other in the elevator or in the press box or in the meal room or whatever, wherever it was, he would always ask me, you know, hey, what's going on with the caps? Hey, what do you think about this? Uh, could not have been, you know, uh, more pleasant. Um, you know, I, uh, there, there were a few times where, you know, at morning skates, you know, I'd ask him for, let's say you were in Philly. I remember those one time in Philly, I was late getting in. I missed the Flyers morning skate. You know, there was a flight delay. You know, hey, did you catch the Flyers um, alliance? Here you go, Tar. You know, I mean, he right. just was that kind of guy. He just, he just was very helpful and humble, and just um, always had a great story that would just make you slap your knee and laugh. I mean, something something ridiculous that would, you know happened to him in his travels around the league. And you know, the cool thing also about him was he didn't just tell you stories about dudes who played in the '90s and the early 2000s. Like his stories would sometimes go way back, oh, and, yeah. you know, back when we were kids, and it was like sort of remember that that's really cool and he could link those things together because he's seen so much hockey over the years uh he's gonna be missed um it'll be interesting to see who who they who they replace him with but i i mean his voice and his enthusiasm and you know screaming at every shot that hits the crossbar i mean it just it made it feel like every game was big and every game mattered and it really got you into it even those monday night games you know Tampa Bay at Florida, whatever you got into it because he was so into it. Yeah. And I think, and I, I wonder, I talked about this today with someone. I wonder because doc loves morning skates, being around the guys, talking to the coaches, like he gets to the arena early and works yeah. the rooms. And so I wonder if the COVID when I mean, there's a, you know, he didn't travel for the playoffs. Good chance. He wouldn't have traveled next year either. I wonder if he was like, this isn't what this isn't how I want to go out calling games from my bedroom. I love being around the players. I love the stories that come from sitting one-on-one with a player and getting to know them and hearing. And he would weave those stories into broadcasts that sometimes would just sit there. And my, my favorite moments were sometimes when they would sit there for a second and then he'd move on. Cause he was like, I don't even know why I brought that up. His timing yeah. was impeccable. His cadence was impeccable. Yeah. Uh, he was just a joy to listen to. I mean, you know, I, I think most of the broadcasters that make it to the, to the, to the high levels are, are good. They're quality. But they're but not all there legends. Are, there are those, there are those hand, the handful that are right. just the best of the best. And he's going to go down in my books as, you know, one of the top three, four broadcasters of any sport of all time. And it, it's funny um, and I'm, I'm sure I told you this story, but um, so I did get to uh, work with the NBC network people for three weeks during the Olympics in 2018. And my, so here it is, look, I'm checking off a box. I'm working at the network. This is a big deal. And Doc was there. And um, after one of the games, um, they were like, hey, do you want to ride back to the, to the airport with Doc? And I was like, yeah, of course I want to ride back with Doc. So I get in the car and it's just me and him sitting in the car and he's telling me this story about how he won the Vin Scully award for something. I forget what it was, but um, it, it, he gets presented the trophy at Fordham university where Vin Scully went to school. Vin lives out on yeah. the West coast and doesn't fly anymore. And so doc is telling me a story about how doc's brother loved Vin Scully, his favorite broadcaster of all time. 
and docks at his house in Florida. And he gets a call from Vin Scully, but the only room his cell phone works in is like a room, you know, like a, an atrium off the house. So he went into that room to answer and he goes, he, so this is Doc telling me, and he goes, Mike, Vin Scully here. And Doc is doing a dead on impersonation of Vin <laughs> Scully. So I'm now sitting in a car with the greatest hockey broadcaster doing a dead on impersonation of the greatest baseball broadcaster. And he was like, and Rob, it's killing me because I can't go get my brother in the other room because the phone will drop out and I can't have that happen to Vin Scully. So I'm on the phone with him for 20 minutes. We're swapping stories. I had never met the man. And when I'm done, I walk back in the other room and my brother said, who was that on the phone? I said, you're not going to believe it. And I was just like, this is the greatest story of all time. Like I, I just worked on national television and this is the highlight of my day and it's not even close. <laughs> It was That's just so awesome. Great. That is such a great. So story. great. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah he's just a good, good man. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, the, the game won't ever sound the same. And you know, part of me is jealous of who will fill those shoes, and part of me is not because those are enormous shoes to fill. Like you said, there's a lot of qualified You're people. You're always going to the right guy. The best. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anyhow, I think that. Um, It'll be interesting to see what Brian McClellan's got cooking because he's got something cooking. He has to. It's how where all the pieces are going to fit in is is going to be fascinating. And you know, we're looking at we're hoping January first, so there is some time, but not a lot when you're trying to work those pieces together. So, he's we'll always see. got something cooking. Yeah, always got something cooking. I know. <laughs> and generally, if you get to talk to him, he kind of gives you, dude. When he smiled about Henrik Lundqvist. In the, in the press conference before they signed him, when he was like, yeah, he's definitely a candidate. I was like, God, this guy can't help himself. Like, he, he just can't hold his it's, it's funny you bring that. It's funny you bring, it's funny you bring that up because I honestly think that he doesn't talk as much as some other GMs because he knows he can't help himself. Right. Because <laughs> right, right. when he does talk, he talks a lot. <laughs> yeah, he says a lot. A lot of good stuff, yeah. Uh, all right, Tariq El-Bashir, uh, I don't think anyone covers the team better. Uh, and I certainly appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much for this. And again, uh, please go subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. It's the Capital Building Podcast, part of Blue Wire Podcast, a fantastic new group. There'll be plenty of content coming out. Thank you so much for listening. Go subscribe, go tell your friends, go to the YouTube page as well, Capital Building Podcast with Rob Carlin. Uh, subscribe there. You can see the video content as well. We'll also have some bonus content hitting YouTube as well. So thank you to Tarek El-Bashir. I'm Rob Perlin. We'll talk again soon. Let's go Caps.